0: Well, we, this morning, will receive the second of my three final words to you as your pastor. And you may have noticed that these are the shortest scripture readings we've ever had. And you're probably saying, Ian, why couldn't we have done that sooner? Last week, we talked about how uh, the, the life of a church comes from remaining in the vine, remaining in Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives power and vitality to the church. It isn't your, the, the volunteer who works the hardest. It isn't the pastor or any of the other staff. It's Jesus Christ who gives strength to his church. And so our job and your job going forward will be to remain in Jesus, to be obedient to the word that he has spoken to us in Scripture to continually do the things that he did, to care about the things that he cares about. And really, that brings us to today. I love how in John chapter 13, Jesus says uh, that uh, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it's easy, I think, to skip over that and say, oh, yeah, we should love each other. It's the second greatest commandment, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. We're all about love here. We believe in love. But it gets a little harder day by day, doesn't it? It's not always easy to love each other because some of us, we come from very different places. We don't have a lot in common sometimes when we come to to church together. Some of us have very different personalities. We got type A's and we got type B's. And I don't know if you've noticed some, anything about the, the type A's. You've got to have everything in order. And the type B's who are pretty loosey-goosey and freewheeling. But, but they tend to irritate each other sometimes. Maybe you are a type A married to a type B or vice versa. And that can be rough. Man, that got a big laugh. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's maybe a little bit harder than Jesus makes it sound. It's easy to say, oh, I believe in love, right? Like Huey Lewis in the news, that's the power of love. But it's a little harder to live it out. So why does Jesus give us this command? Why does he call it new? And why does he say, this is how people will know that you follow me? Well, we have to remember that in John chapter 13, Jesus is announcing his departure to his disciples. He's saying, we've had a great run, guys. It's been three years, but I'm about to go to the cross and die. And then I'm going to rise from the dead, but I'm not going to stay. I'm going to ascend to my Father. This is where Jesus says things like, it's good that I go, because then God will give you the Holy Spirit. It's good that I go, because I'm going I'm to prepare a place for you someday. And the disciples are kind of saying, okay, that's great, but what about today? See, Jesus is saying, I am doing a new thing in you. And then I'm going to go, and it's like the New Orleans Saints said in their Super Bowl run about 10 years ago. He said, we all we got... We all we need. Remember that? Now, theologically, we need to do some adjustment here, right? Because it's not just, right, we remain in Jesus. Jesus is our strength, and yet he gives us friends. He gives us a people to be a part of, and that's what we need to carry out the mission that Jesus has left for us. I want you to turn to the people sitting all around you, to your right and to your left and in front and behind. I want you to take a good look at them. Okay you're not doing it, look at them, all right? <laughs> look at them all. These okay, stop looking at each other, all right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are the people that God has given to you, that you need for today and for tomorrow and for the days that are coming next. These are the people that you need next, not just for those times in life that are going to get hard, not just to celebrate when times are good, but you are going to need them so that people will know that you belong to Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you're visiting church, and you are not deeply connected to a church, people will not be able to see Jesus clearly in you until you are connected deeply to his people somewhere. And if you're saying, Pastor Ian, of course, you're saying that you're the pastor of a church, right? You want to you want the church to grow. You want a big church and so on. No, no, no. I'm telling you this because that's what Jesus said. This is how they will know that you love each other. Jesus isn't even getting into loving people outside the church yet. He's saying, you must love the church. You must love the people in the church. Let me ask you something. When you walk into this church, this is something I think this church is good at, by the way. When you walked into this church for the first time, you felt that there was something different about this place. I know you did. Diane Merton especially knows she won't stop talking about how she felt it immediately when she walked in. Diane, you keep talking about it because it's by that that people will know that you are disciples of Jesus Christ, that you love each other. And let me, let me tell you why. Number one, it's because life is going to get hard. And that's when we'll find out the kind of people that we are. Do we show up for each other or not? Now, in the U.S., for, for you and I, sometimes it feels wrong to show up for each other, right? Well, they might be having their private moment over there. I don't know if I'm going to be interrupting it if I come in. And then let me tell you, there are folks here who are especially gifted to walk into those moments, my mom is one of them. My mom, uh, you know, people would be like, they just got a cancer diagnosis, and my mom would be like putting on her purse and heading out the door like, Mom, where are you going? I'm going to go be with those people. We're like, no, that's not okay. Like, they're, they just got this big thing. They need some time on their own to sort it out, right? And, you know, Mom, you know, we were all freaked out that she would do this, and I watched her continually do it, and I realized God has especially gifted her for this. She shows up, and then people say thank you. Right? I show up, and people sometimes say goodbye. But she shows up, and people say thank you. Now, you can't do that as an individual for every single person in this church. right? Not even in a church of 60 in Lemon Cove. But you can do it when the Holy Spirit calls, and he will. And you'll feel that stirring, and it's not going to be comfortable all the time. You say, well, but maybe they won't want me there. And the Holy Spirit will say, I didn't ask you if they wanted you there. I told you to go. And then you listen and you show up. And you know what it's going to be like? I'm going to tell you, because you know, when I started being a pastor, there's nothing that prepares you for sitting beside the bed of someone who's dying. It's just nothing that'll do it except experience. And you sit down, and you know what you do? You don't say anything. You just be present. And when people cry, you hand them a tissue. When they say, I'm sorry, I'm crying, you say, don't be sorry. That's right in this moment. That's okay. Give them permission to go through what they're going through. And you know, if you're great at cooking Sue Ross, you cook. (laughs) Yeah, and you do. And if you are great at helping people navigate that medical system, Elaine Mello, you do. And if you have been there before, And maybe you're even still there now, Yvonne and Craig. You guys go. God has given you something to give. These are all people who aren't coming back again because they keep saying their names in the middle of the sermon. (laughs) But I'm telling you, love each other because we're all we've got, but we're all we need in Jesus Christ. And the world will see us doing this. And they'll say, why are you doing this for each other? Because you come from strange places. Some of you here today, I know English is really tough. Pretty much most of you today, Korean is impossible. You don't know any. But here we are together, worshiping the same God. Here we are together, building friendships and memories, getting stuck in the snow, getting all wet and cold, doing all the things that we did. And it's Jesus that brought us together, sometimes in ways obvious and sometimes in ways that were very subtle. And this is the church that God wants to build. People who don't always understand each other, type A's and type B's, men and women, people of different ethnicities, people from different countries. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, verse 28, Paul says, in God's church, there is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. These were the big boundary markers in the ancient world. And Paul says these are no longer boundary markers for God's people. You know what the mystery of what God has done is? He has made many people one one people. And, of course, the world's going to look at that and say, you figured out, black and white, how to get along? You you didn't have to pass a government program to do it. You just loved each other? How is that possible? And they're going to look and they're going to say, you have in your same church rich people and poor people? And they eat next to each other and they share life together. How did you do that? And we'll say, well, because we love Jesus Christ and he makes us family. And frankly, we wouldn't have chosen each other, right? I know some of you are sitting next to people right now and you're like, this isn't my normal seat. (laughs) I'm not okay sitting here. There are all these strangers everywhere. Well, you know what? God has put you there this morning because these are your people. And he is making you one. So here's the question. Are we going to let God do it? Or are we going to go deeper with each other? Are we going to love each other better? Are we going to let it get messy? You notice something about uh, family is you know, the holidays come around, right? Thanksgiving, because Christmas is perfect. We know. We're Christians. But Thanksgiving comes along, and everyone gets into the same room with each other, and then that old family argument resurfaces, Right? Right? You had that experience before, and everyone, you know, everyone's now grumpy and angry, and maybe someone even storms off, and you know what you do next year? You do it again. <laughs> because that's what family is. Family is messy. When you get close to people, that's what happens. But it is better being close. It is better being close. I don't know if you ever had this experience as brothers and sisters, but I love, uh, I have some family members, very young, and uh, they will fight tooth and nail with each other. But one of my favorite things to hear, even though it's really obnoxious because often it's, you know, there's more to the story, but, but one of my favorite things to hear is, you can't do that to my brother, <laughs> right? You can't do that to my brother. I'm telling, then I got to get involved, and that's a bummer. (laughs) That's the relationship God's calling us to. The problem isn't that you fight. (laughs) The problem is either that you never fight, because that means you're not close, or the problem is that you never stop fighting, because that means you've forgotten love. The way in between is to fight and make up. That's going to be all right. Julian the Apostate. That's a great name, isn't it? He's a Roman emperor uh, from about 360 to 362 AD, about 50 years after Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And Julian the Apostate uh, was a descendant, and, and he became emperor, and he said, we're going back to the old gods, going back to the gods of Rome and Greece and all of that. And he could not, he tried to get rid of this Christianity, but he couldn't do it. So he said this. He wrote to a priest, a pagan priest. said, why then do we think that it's enough, that we have these amazing temples, we offer these, these big sacrifices there, and, and it's spectacular. Why do we think that's enough? Why do we not observe that for the Christians, it's their kindness to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, how many people were buried anonymously in those days and the Christians honored the anonymous? And the pretend, he said the pretended holiness of their lives because he didn't think Christian holiness was really holiness. But he says, why do we not observe that it's these three things that have done the most to increase the disbelief in the old gods? Their benevolence to strangers. Their care for the graves of the dead and the holiness of their lives. And then he said this, I believe that we ought really and truly to practice every one of these virtues. See, Jesus put the recipe together for us. A new commandment I give you, he said, that you love one another the same way that I loved you. And Julian, when he tried to get Christianity out of Rome, said we're going to do it by being like the Christians. My second word to you in these last three weeks, do not let go of your love for each other, but deepen it. Deepen it. And when you do that, remaining in the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus loves that person sitting next to you, in front of you, and behind you, this community will look and they will say something special is happening in that church And whatever they're doing, they've got the answer. And I want to be part of that.